Dotnet Rocks episode 706 with guest Bruce Meacham. Recorded live Friday, October 7th, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much and welcome back to a very special edition of .NET Rocks. It's the Electric Car Show. Geeking out. Geeking out time. And uh, we're here with our a friend of the show, Bruce Meacham. Did I say that right, Bruce? Yes, you certainly did. And you're in your car? I actually am in my car right now. Is it an electric car? It is an electric car. It's an all-electric vehicle. Um, it was con- it was converted from a gasoline car. Now, before we get into that, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm uh, I'm actually a coder and a developer, just like uh, most of your listeners. Um, I've spent my uh, whole career, about 15 years, working at various uh, companies. I started life at um, Microsoft, working on Microsoft Word. And, um, you know, I kind of got into doing all the geeky stuff. And uh, believe it or not, uh, a lot of those guys that I knew back from then, actually several of them do have electric cars themselves still. So it's kind of one of these things that two kind of go together a lot. I love this, the fact that there's sort of an underground electric car thing going on, that people aren't waiting for the manufacturers to make electric cars. They're just converting gas cars to electric. So what was your car before you Frankensteined it? It is a 1986 BMW 325 SE, the classic boxy. They call it the, in Europe. They call it the Bear. Um, if you can imagine the kind of the 80s, um, the 80s vehicle. It was recently on Top Gear, um, and uh, if you know that show, um, and they called it the car that that every girl got in the 80s when her parent when her parents divorced. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, so how did you convert it? Uh, basically, you, you take the, uh, it's a very straightforward process. It's exactly what you think. You, you unbolt the you know, gas guzzling, um, you know, that, that silly fuel using engine part and you put an electric motor on and you, um, strap in a whole lot of batteries and you put a, you know, a bunch of bits that connect them and that's pretty much it. It's actually very low tech. Now, a bunch of batteries. That, that right there is where I would be killing myself and shocking myself into oblivion. What, do you have an electric uh, electrical engineering background to be able to do that kind of thing? Well, I was fortunate to go to a college that had a course called Double E for Dummies. So, <laughs> no, I mean the reality is it's actually very very low tech. Um, <laughs> you you uh, you take the batteries and you hook them up, you know, and you you can run them um, all as one long string and get a lot of voltage, or you can hook them up and kind of take sub strings, and then you get um, amps at a given voltage. It's, so it's not as complicated as it sounds. It's basically just, you know, it's the same idea as, you know, putting a whole bunch of double A's in your kid's toys. Now, what kind of batteries are you using? I'm using um, uh, batteries that are rated at 100 amp hours each. Um, they're 3.2 volts each. They're lithium iron phosphate, which is kind of the the on vogue chemistry for batteries right now. Um, they're very, they have a lot of benefits. Lithium is really kind of where everything is going. So... The lithium whole chemistry of lithium is really if you if you take a look at where all the new cars are going, they're all going with lithium. Well, and there's a real good reason for that. Lithium not only is incredibly light, but it has a single valence electron. Have yep. have you um 
Have you seen any interviews with Lonnie Johnson, the inventor of the lithium air battery? No, I have not, but I've heard of it. I've definitely heard of lithium air battery. I think that's cool. Yeah, I mean, he basically had to create a new material, a new molecule or, or something to to uh, inter- to act as a catalyst with air in lithium. And essentially the air that blows in through the car reacts with the lithium with this particular, I don't know what it is. You know, it sounds like transparent aluminum to me. You know what I mean? It, it almost sounds like the, um, you know how you take hydrogen and you make electricity out of hydrogen? It sounds very similar to that. You yeah. know, where you take, you basically, the lithium is interacting with the oxygen to throw off an electron, right? Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's great. I mean, I'm also, uh, I'm also into flying and aviation, and I think that sounds like something you'd want for that because it's very lightweight. Well, very, yeah, very lightweight. And also, um, I guess the, the lithium ion battery is what we have in our, in our, uh, laptops. Is that right? In cell phones? Correct. Yep. And, uh, the, the lithium ion is actually a little bit lighter than lithium iron, but it's not as easy to industrialize. Okay. Um, you know, because it, it has those silly properties of catching on fire if you read the news from a couple years ago. <laughs> right. Minor details. Yeah. Minor things, you know, things you don't want in a car. Um, where the, the lithium iron is, you can, uh, you know, the, the, I've actually seen videos of people where they take a drill bit and they go right through a lithium iron that's being fully discharged at maximum rate, and it, it just it just kind of, you know, sparks start flying, and that's about it. So um, let's get back to your batteries here. So how many batteries do you have, and how much room do they take up? I have uh, 44 uh, batteries. They're, um, I can't tell you the exact dimensions, but they're, they're smaller. If you take four of them together, um, they're about the size of a regular car battery, and they oh. have the same, the same voltage. Um, so, you know, they're, they're kind of like take your car battery and cut it into four pieces. Um, okay. And they weigh about half as much as a regular car battery as four. And four together in series makes 12 volts, roughly. Correct. Four together in series makes 12 volts. And 44 altogether, I have a, I have a total of about a 144-volt nominal voltage. That's like in between voltage. And so, and that's obviously what the electric motor wants is 144 volts. My controller is rated for a maximum of 156 volts, um, so it can't it can't receive more than that and give out any reasonable amount of amperage. Right. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yep. And what about wattage? So I can do uh, up to about 100 amps at 144 volts, which is about what 14. 14 kilowatts. kilowatts, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a lot of watts. That'll kill you. That's what I can, yeah, that's what I can, oh yeah. <laughs> that, I can sustain that, and I can peak at about 200, which is 20, 28 kilowatts. Um, and if you do the uh, the horsepower conversion, of course, you know, watts is our horsepower. They're one of the same thing, right? right so right. you can do the conversion, to, and they're about 35 horsepower. That's the max that my car will put out, which doesn't sound like a lot for a car. <laughs> And so it's a little sluggish. You know, this is not the Tesla. This is not, you know, the, the super high-end, awesome, you know, uh, electric cars that you'll hear about in the future. Right. This is kind of the, the do-it-yourselfers, hey, I can commute every day kind of vehicle. And, and you obviously plug it in at night to recharge it, right? I plug it in at night or I plug it in wherever I can, you know, wherever I can. There's, there's charging stations popping up all over the place, and I built an adapter that will allow me to charge there as well for free, which is awesome. So tell me about how far you can go on a charge and how long it takes to charge. The maximum that I have actually physically gone is 50 miles. That's not bad. So, uh, yeah, that's not bad. Uh, you know, I basically took my whole family and stuck them in the car, and we went to the zoo, which is 40, uh, exactly 25 miles away. And you're able to handle 55, 60 miles an hour on the highway? I can't go 50 miles at that rate. 
Um, I can go more like 35, 40 miles at that rate. But oh, yeah, you, you said, go, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and this is, I, I can go 50 miles if I'm going on, say, 35 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour. Um, but if you want to go, at, if you want to get on the highway, I can go 70 miles an hour, um, but it's more like 35, 40 miles. Okay. Right. And you don't have all the regenerative braking and all those clever tricks that the production electric cars have. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I have a Prius as well. My, so I'm a totally electric family. Um, mm-hmm. my, my, my wife has a Prius, a plug-in Prius. Um, and, um, and we do have regenerative braking on that, of course. And if you, actually, if you actually look at how much regenerative braking you're getting, even on a very long downhill, it's like, you know, 500 watts. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not much. You really you don't get much. But yes, I don't have any of that. Here's the other question, which is, uh, have you figured out about how much it costs in electricity to charge it for those 35, 40 miles? Uh, oh, yeah. It's um, roughly, you know, I, I use about 300 watts per mile, uh, watt hours per mile, right? So for every three miles, I'm using about one kilowatt, which is 10 cents. So uh, it's about a buck to do 35 miles. Wow. Okay. Now that's that's real economy there. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the part that, People, people love to latch on to the, hey, what's the electric cost? You know, and it, I honestly, it's not, it's actually not the big cost. Um, there's a whole other side of it that you kind of have to look at the total cost of ownership. You know, we talk about that in software all the time, right? Right. You have to look at the total cost of ownership of an electric vehicle, and that includes the fact that the battery is a consumable. Right. Um, you know, and the battery costs $5,000, and it's only going to be good for five years. And so, you know, how many year, how many miles does that use and all that stuff? I've done all the math out. You end up, Slightly better than, a, say, a Prius, um, and you're about half as good as almost every car out there. Half as good. Wait a minute. So you're saying, so it's less economical to, to no, have no, no. a... You're half as much money, so it's twice oh. as economical. Oh, twice as good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and yep. why do you get five years? Uh, that's just how long the batteries are going to last, depending on how you use them. Right. Is so, it number you know, of charge cycles or, you know... Yes, it is. Yep. Okay. And there's a lot behind that too. <laughs> so I have a 2005 Prius. So am I doomed? I do. I have one as well. Um, you're not doomed at all. You can actually buy a battery pack that can go in the back of your Prius, and you can charge it and drive. Oh, I guess what I'm saying thing. is, if uh, if a Prius battery lasts, does a Prius battery last five years or more? Well, the Prius battery is nickel metal hydrate, ah, okay. which all reports are they're lasting quite a long time. They're lasting ten plus years from right. everything I've read. Okay. So, I mean, there's cat- taxi cabs out there that have been doing a million miles and still have the original batteries. Yeah, so when the you greatest say- compliment of all to the Prius is that cabbies are using it. Because cabbies are as hard on a car as you can physically get. Yep. Yep. And they love it because when, when they're just sitting around doing nothing, the engine isn't running. Right. Yeah, well, they're saving that- a ton of money. Well, and that car does amazing things in stop and go. That's where you see its real benefit. It's not yeah. the range driving. It's the stop and go drive. It's the instant engine on when you put the your foot on the accelerator. It is cool. It's yeah. actually the electric motor goes almost immediately, and then you get the safety into the fact that it's actually starting the gas motor. It's kind of cool. It is cool. Um, so when you said $5,000, that's how much it costs you for your batteries to put in your car. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a, I basically got them at, you know, what wholesaler kind of values, right? Um, and direct from China kind of thing, you know? Um, and the typical, I, I have a, with 44 batteries, 100 amp hours, 3.2 volts, if you do the math, that's, um, 14.4 kilowatt hours. Okay. And, um, you know, the Nissan Leaf is somewhere, I think, in the 28 kilowatt hours. Um, so I'm a basically like half of a Nissan Leaf, but it's probably about a, you know, I, I'm, I didn't spend anywhere near, 
what they do on their batteries. You kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. A lot of this stuff is DIY. You know, I'm just out there doing it and, and just buying stuff and putting it in and see how it Right. Goes. And you're doing it for the pure geek satisfaction. I mean, I'm, I, that's the whole reason I bought the Prius, too. It wasn't because I wanted to spend less money on gas, although, you know, that's fun. But, um, you know, I'm not one of these Prius owners who who's looking at the, the moving chart all the time and, you know, trying to keep it under 30 miles an hour and all that stuff, trying to squeeze out every, you know, that's not the game I play. I love it for the other space age technology in the Prius, like like the regenerative braking. And the, the brakes are electromagnetic, aren't they? Um, well, not quite. <laughs> but, yeah, no, they're, they're pretty cool. I mean, the, the reality is it uses the motor to, to brake with. So yeah. in effect, yes, it's electromagnetic. It's using the motor. It's an electromagnet, right? Right. So, but yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. You know, you're, you're the, the brake wear is very minimal. There's a lot of good things about it. I mean, this, this is the way things are going. The other thing I like is the uh, the conical kind of uh, continuously variable transmission. Oh, that's a phenomenal train. I mean, I, I've looked at that over and over again. There's like little simulators you can run on the web. Have you seen those? No, no. But tell tell us a little bit about the about the transmission of a Prius, just to, just so we know. So the, so the Prius is um, it's a it's a standard. Um, it, it actually has a uh, it's a very complex transmission, but it but it has very few moving parts. So it's kind of like a lot of things in electric vehicles. It's very complicated, but almost nothing moves. Um, it has it, it, uh, it has a ro- um, uh, what's called a um, a planetary gear set, which is basically if you imagine it, you have uh, you have a big outer gear ring, and then you have a, a relatively medium sized middle gear spur. And then you have gears that go in between those that run on a rider. Yeah. Is that clear enough? Yeah, so they move and, around. So they. Yep. And what they did, what Prius is really smart about it, is they put an electric motor on, on one of those rings. They put the transmission on another one of those gears. And they put the motor on the, on the third one. And so what you end up with is kind of like, it's kind of like a power splitter, effectively, right? So you can say, I want, you know, any moment in time, you can put your foot on the pedal or you put your foot on the brake. And you can say, hey, I want energy to go to that end of the spur. Follow me? And what it'll do is it'll just figure out, hey, I want to slow down the motor or I want to speed up the, you know, I want to speed up the engine and I want to, you know, put energy into the transmission or I want to get energy out of the transmission and put it into the electric motor. But nothing ever, like no gear ever disengages or reengages. There's no clutching. It's a very brilliant way of doing it. Mm. Um, at the, at, so, I mean, does that pretty much sum it all up for you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and when I heard about that, it, it just sounded space age enough that I was like, yeah. "Well, I got to get one of these cars." I mean, it, it has, it, yeah, it has one really bad drawback, which is that in electric, pure electric mode, it has a very low limit <laughs> to speed. That's right. So, that's right. So in pure electric mode, thirty-five miles an hour, that's it. You are not going to go any faster with the electric motor on. Well, well you, and there is a certain amount of friction caused by a planetary gear set. Oh, absolutely, but it's way lower than a regular transmission. I, I tend to agree, but once you drive a true electric vehicle where the where the motor is directly attached to the wheels and there are no gears at all, uh-huh. it, you know it gets amazing. I've I've taken a spin in the in the Tesla Roadster. It's terrifying. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the Tesla Roadster. This is probably the coolest, baddest ass car that exists, if not you know for electrics, but for all cars. Absolutely. This is probably this is is it still the fastest car? Uh, electric car? Yeah, fastest car. Is doesn't it have the best acceleration of any car? Oh no, there's stuff way faster than that. Y- but, yeah, but it's, but it's very good. I mean, it's it's certainly as good as most anything you can you can legally buy and put on the street. Okay, <laughs> it's right up there in the top ten. 
because it's just an electric motor, there's no gears, there's no noise, and the torque curve is almost completely flat. You know, I, I don't, we've forgotten how deeply programmed into our brain acceleration is from a, 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 an engine. That yeah. it's this yeah. shifting process, this sort of, we charge up, you know, there's a curve to the torque that accelerates faster, 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 then we drop down, gear shift, do it again. And te- the roadster's just not like that. Right. This no. pressure hits energy. you in your back, and you yep. just go. It's a rocket. And, <laughs> and the acceleration from 0 to 60, and from 60 to 120, it's about the same the whole time. Yeah, 3.7 yeah, seconds. Cool. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's all right. I mean, the, the thing, kind of the weird thing is we're used to a bell-shaped torque curve. Right. Like, all cars have a bell-shaped torque curve. So somewhere in the middle, two, two to 4,000 RPMs, you're going to get all your power right there, right? Right. And so you're used to doing downshifts to get more power all the time. Well, you know, or sorry, uh, yeah, downshifts to get more power, either to go into the band or, you know, whatever you do. Well, with an electric, you actually upshift to get more torque. Crazy. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's uh, all about the torque, and the, the torque is terrifying like just it's unbelievable yeah the, the torque curve on an electric motor it's it goes from zero to a hundred percent in like two rpm oh, you man. know so basically once it's moving it's full torque yeah there is so, there's no really lightweight hit on an, on an electric car and i'm just looking at the specs on the tesla roadster it it's considered it's a 185 kilowatt motor so that's almost uh, 250 horse and it goes 245 miles per charge. So they've, yep. they've really nailed the whole battery thing. Um, yep. What does it cost? Oh, it's, it's in excess of 100000 Yeah, think, it's right? about 110 grand, yeah. which is a Actually, lot, but not outrageous. Not outrageous. And, no. and for something with less moving parts than a, even a Prius, uh, it, do you think it, it, it will last as long? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as far as, I mean, that's one, that's one of the misnomers about electric vehicles. People look at them and say, oh, you know, who's going to service them? I'm like, who needs to service them? Right. Yeah. Uh, you got one moving part. Right. It's like <laughs> an iPod, you know? It's a piece much. of electronic equipment. I mean, in the 1980s, if somebody had told you you were going to have a tablet, they'd be like, well, where am I going to take it? That's yeah. right. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? <laughs> exactly. So we're kind of in that kind of paradigm shift with electric vehicles. Absolutely. I mean, it's like... It, there's so much, um, one of the big things you kind of have to get over is they're just dirt simple, um, you know, in terms of their complexity. Mm. A lot of the things behind it are just, you know, basically just make electrons meet, uh, you know, a, a copper and you're yeah. good to go. Yeah. The problem is always, I mean, the, the, the roadster is based on the Lotus Elise and I've driven an Elise and uh-huh. an Elise is much more exciting to drive not that the that the 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 tesla roadster is fun to drive but the elise is terrifyingly nimble the roadster is so much heavier because of the batteries you know an elise comes in at like 1600 pounds and the the roadster is almost a thousand pounds heavier yeah that was yeah i've seen a comparison of the two like a like a head-to-head comparison of the two and the the tesla was actually faster on the track than the elise but the elise was better around the corners right yeah, because it's not as heavy. Absolutely. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products 
supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So let's talk about the sedan, the Model S. The Tesla S, and very exciting. Our timing's impeccable because literally this past weekend, they finally showed the beta models of the Tesla S to some of the press and the people who plunked down their five grand first to get one of these things. Didn't uh, didn't you do that, Richard? I We were going to. because I, I So I have a buddy who was literally the first person in Canada to buy the Tesla Roadster. That's where I got my ride. And they've already put down for the Tesla S and we were going to do it, but we didn't do it. So oh, well, so in the Tesla S is about 40 grand, is it? Well, they are yeah. advertising it as 49,900, but that's actually, it's 57,400, but you get a $7,500 credit in the U S depending oh. on your country, you're going to get it from credits, but that's for the base model, which is a hundred, supposedly 160 mile range. The, the premium model, which is got the 300 mile range is about $75,000. And this is, you got to look at the pictures of this car. It looks like an Aston Martin. Like, it is a gorgeous. Yes, it's a four-door sedan, but it is a gorgeous-looking sports car. It's beautiful. Yeah, and and it's a five-seater, although apparently they put two more jump seats in the back and the trunk as well, so you could make it a seven-seater. It's it's kind of crazy, and the photos from the if you can you know go out there to any of the blog sites that were actually at this event, they the all of the displays on the dashboard are, are are LCD. There's like two the equivalent of two iPads mounted one above each other in the center console, so that everything's electronic. It, it is you know the same reason you love the Prius, the Geek Fest, the yeah. Tesla S has gone all out on the Geek Fest. Really? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that impresses me about both Tesla, and there's actually a couple of other small companies coming out with electrics, they're actually being developed like software. You know, they have like beta versions, and you can tell that these are, you know, either former software people or somebody who knows software, and they're not doing this, you know, the standard big three kind of mentality where we will, you know, go to some racetrack and come out with something and show it to you and hope you like it. You know, they really are thinking about it. One of the things I've been reading, but I don't know if it's absolutely true, is that they're going to make the S with uh, hot swappable batteries. Really? Yeah. So one of the concepts here, I mean, the problem with electric cars, plain, one is range, but the other is charge time. Right. Right. I mean, were, when I was looking, playing with the Nissan Leaf, they were talking about charge times of, you know, from empty of eight hours, you know, four hours if you got the special charger. That's right. still just too long. And so there's this group of folks down in the Silicon Valley where you'd go to a gas station, they'd literally drop the batteries out of your car, put new batteries in, you know, two minute, like a refueling and it's, you're off. That is really, really smart. Yeah, that will work. The I only problem with it, uh, as I see, is age of batteries matter. Right? Like, how do you well, deal with the eco- economics around how old your batteries get? Yeah, with the, uh, when I when I you know I think I've seen that same information. And what they were saying was you don't actually own your batteries, right? So you won't you they're not your property, right? You lease them, huh? And so for you know you're going to pay a lease rate on the batteries that basically covers your cost of you know depletion. 
and right. when you did, and you can swap them out anytime you want because they're not really yours anyway. That makes total sense. Well, and, and let's face it, the electricity cost in this is trivial. It is the battery maintenance, aging, and replacement that are the issue. Right. Correct. So this is going to this is your fuel bill. You know, the, you know, I you know, I look at my fuel bill for my car as the credit card charge I get each month on my gas card is my fuel bill. Mm. We're going to have if we're signing up for this program, we're going to have this monthly charge that is the equivalent. This is what it takes for you to fuel your vehicle. Right. And it's not and it's not based on how much you use it. It's based on your your, your lease of battery. I guess that's the question, and how they'll actually fund that. Is it how many times you change out your batteries in a given month, right? Is a charge per change-out? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, or uh, well, how many charge cycles more than, I mean, the reality was, so let's say you have a smart battery pack that knows how to charge itself and maintain itself and monitor itself, which is certainly doable. I mean, that's, that's right there. There's, there's plenty of stuff out there that'll do that right now. When you actually, you know, when you turn your battery in, it'll just say, oh, yeah, you have, you know, it'll connect up to the web, you know, through a, through a Wi-Fi wireless Ardenoid or whatever, and it'll say, hey, you know, he charged 500 times, or we're going to bill him, you know, five cents a charge. Right. Yeah, it's not just when you change your battery, but how much you consume that battery, too. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Richard, you mentioned the Nissan Leaf, that you drove that? Yeah, I actually got a, dropped into uh, to the Nissan dealership for some other stuff, and they had a Leaf there, and it's like, yeah, give me the keys, I'm taking it for a drive. All right, so what is it, first of all? Is it a plug-in hybrid? or is No, it a- it's a pure electric. Okay. Uh, it's on based on their Nissan Versa, which is like a subcompact chassis, but it's a forty thousand dollar car, at least in Canadian dollars. Okay. So it's really expensive, rel- you know, compared to what a regular Versa, which is about a twenty thousand dollar car. But it's better built. It's it's a small car, but it's very nicely uh, built up. It drives like a car. There's just no magic to the whole thing at all, except it's got that electric motor feel that its acceleration. While it's not epic like the Roadster, it's very good. It's quicker, I think, than the regular Versus. But it's the thing you start to realize is that it's heavy. So it doesn't, you know, the fun part about small cars is that they're kind of nimble. You toss them into corners. They know they, they don't have a lot of power, but they don't have a lot of weight to throw around. This thing is heavy. So, but, and the range was supposed to be about, they said 160K. And then after I drove it, the guy, the, the salesman I was with test driving says, the way you drive, maybe 100K. I'm like, because I'm a little heavy lead foot, but right. you know. <laughs> so it kind of looks like a Honda Civic, maybe from the 90s. And uh, it, you said 100 to 120, maybe 1,000 miles. Is that what you were saying on one charge? Um, yeah, uh, it was maybe a hundred miles, but realistically more miles. like 70 miles out of a charge, which okay. is the, and then you've got to charge the flipping thing. Right. And it will yeah. charge. One of the things I liked is no gas cap on the back. It's actually in the nose. There's a little pop up flap. Right. And you can plug it into regular, you know, 110 volt charging, but that takes like 12 hours from empty. Okay. Or you use a you use a 220 volt or 240 volt your your uh, dryer type plug with one of their charge assemblies and it cuts it down to about eight hours. At the dealership, they had three phase 240, which oh, wow. is more like industrial power. I don't think you can get that in residential areas, and that knocks it down to like 45 minutes. Wow. Which is yeah. you know. So that's what you want. And you don't want a gas station like that. What you want is charging stations at businesses and things where, you know, if I go into a restaurant, I could charge up the car that way. Oh, yeah. Good luck with that in America. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just that, you know, the electricity yeah, is going to just drop everything and do that for you. No problem. Yeah. yeah uh, I really I really tend to think that this whole hot swappable battery station thing is, is going to be the way to go for everybody. Is the answer. Yeah. yeah. 
One thing I was impressed with the Leaf, and I did do a test drive myself as well, was that it actually has the, the software for the GPS system actually showed two rings. Um, one was kind of a conservative, we can definitely make it to this spot ring on the GPS. So you're looking at the map and you're kind of driving along and you say, okay, yeah, I know I can make it to, you know, you know, the quick stop or whatever, right? But then you go, you look, there's another ring after that that's like the, well, if you drive more conservatively, you could probably make this ring too. Huh. And I thought that was just brilliant, you know, because that's a lot of the times you're kind of thinking to yourself, you know, I got 50 miles, I've used 20, I've got 10 kilowatts left here, you know, can I make it to the condo and then back home, or do I have to worry about charging? And that really kind of takes the duff factor out of it. And it's kind of one of those scenarios where, you know, it's good. It's a good human-computer interface that actually makes a lot of sense for that purpose. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Grape City. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Boss comes and says, sales are up this week. I'm taking everybody out to lunch. Awesome. Next day, oh, we're taking a loss. What happened? Well, you're a developer. You can create a report. So you go to your boss and say, okay, what should I report on? And they have no idea. Well, here's the good news. Active analysis from Grape City Power Tools empowers your boss, the money guys, so they can find the answers to their own questions. And the best part is, it's a control. Completely self-contained BI. Using a drag-and-drop interface, users can easily discover trends in the data, and more importantly, the deviations from those trends through its powerful graphical analysis capabilities. Development against the control is easy. All you have to do is provide the data. Active analysis will take care of the aggregation, grouping, filtering, and sorting for the user. Of course, it offers programmatic control of all these operations, too. So if you want more company lunches, do your boss a favor. Use Active Analysis. For a free evaluation, please go to gcpowertools.com analysis. And don't forget to thank Grape City for being a great sponsor of .NET Rocks. So let's uh, talk about plug-in hybrids. Because uh, this has been on the uh, ever since the Prius came out, people have been talking about plug-in hybrids. But this is a hybrid engine that plugs in and recharges. Obviously, it doesn't take as much charge because you have the gas engine there. But Toyota is uh, coming out with next year a thirty-two thousand dollar plug-in hybrid Prius that supposedly gets uh, eighty-seven miles to the gallon and uh, in hybrid mode forty-nine. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have a, I actually do have a kind of a predecessor, a DIY. So since I'm just a DIYer, I do have the, the, the you know, the plug-in version of the battery pack that goes into the back of Prius, my 2005 Gen 2 Prius. And, um, it's, it, it's interesting and I think it's good, but it's, you know, there's, there's two sides to it. Just like everything that's a hybrid, you have, you know, one side of it saying, oh, this is great. You know, you can drive all electric all the time. And then there's another, the kind of the diehard electric EV guys are on the other side of it saying, but why do you even bother putting an engine in? You can just drive electric all the time you know, and put more batteries in. Yeah, well, you know, the, the engine is more efficient once you get up to speed on the highway, for example. Kick that engine in where it doesn't have to get you from zero to 60 because that's where it really loses all its efficiency. Um, so so in that, I don't know if if the new plug-in hybrids will have the ability for to do that, to once you get up to a sustained level of miles per hour, flip on the gas engine. Well, they actually do. The Volt actually works exactly like that. So 
the way the Volt works is that it's actually, it was designed to be kind of like a diesel electric train when they originally designed it. If you know what that is, it's basically you have an engine that runs a generator and the generator runs a motor. Right. Um, but they, you know, they use a big battery pack in the middle. Um, you know, once you, you, you can use that battery pack for say 10, 20 miles. Once you've used it, then the motor kicks on. Now there's a very cool thing they did that a lot of people were kind of upset about, um, which was when they actually released the product, you know, they said, you know what, people want to go more than 65 miles an hour in this car because it's America after all, right? We want to get on the highway and go 80. Right. Um, and so they actually made this kind of alternate mode for the motor where it directly drives, directly drives the wheel from the motor. No gearing, no transmission, no nothing. The actual gas motor engages with a clutch into the drivetrain wow. above 70 miles an hour. And you basically are just driving on the gas engine. That's really interesting. And this is the uh, Chevy Volt that does that. That's, that's correct. And a lot of people dinged them on it, saying, you know, but it's not a pure electric anymore. And I think it's awesome. I think it's brilliant. Well, it's really just being efficient. And that's really what we want, right? Well, it, and, it, and it never was a pure electric. It has a gas motor in it. Yeah. So, so you know, don't hide. Be what you <laughs> are. Yeah. And the Chevy Volt is, again, around, starts at around 32, 33, right? Something in there. Yeah, I think you don't really get anywhere till you're in the 40s. Yeah. Yep. And, so, I mean, yeah, none of these cars are cheap. Still, it's just it's complicated what they're trying to do here. But they, but they do. But you know, if done right, they will last longer than a typical gas engine car. I mean, well, and you know, the real advantage of the hybrid. I mean, you can. There's lots of arguments against the hybrid. Carrying two engines is an issue, plain and simple. Yeah. But the biggest problem with a pure electric like a Nissan Leaf is what do you do? If you run out of power. Yeah, you're right. You're screwed. Have you, I mean, Bruce, you're in this boat. Have you been stranded? Never. 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 All right. Is but that just because you, you're an organized guy? But you, you can, you can definitely say that it's possible. I mean, you oh, could absolutely. get, what if you got up on a road that was blocked and you had to sit there and I don't know, for some reason, yet maybe you had to run the air conditioner or something or whatever. I don't know. I know, <laughs> I know that when it's, I know that, you know, when you're not using it, it shuts off, but. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the reality is it, it, it's one of those things where I keep a lot of headroom and I have a amply full battery and I know how far I can go. Right. And, you know, I've, and I pushed it, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you're, you know, like sometimes you can kind of feel like you're, you know, Chuck Yeager with an experimental airplane. And you're like, well, can I go a little further? Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Because, you know, one of the downsides of lithium is that when you're done with the charge, you are done. It's right. Just pull over to the side of the road. You're going nowhere. Right. Yeah. Well, and we played this dance with our gas motors too, right? You're on the E. It's like, am I really on the E? Am I really, really on the E? Yeah. But when you run out, you can get a gas can, go put gas in it, and then get to the gas station. What do you do in a pure electric you when it. you're out? You tow it. Well, there's that very interesting because AAA is actually offering a charging service. No, no that's great. That's, that's awesome. Correct. AAA offers a charging service, and I think it's it's probably only in like the San Francisco Bay Area and you know L.A. for now. But you can actually get a charge. They'll come up to you and charge your vehicle. Oh, no kidding. Yep. So you. Oh, can and I do found something. the press release too. I'll add this to the links. But here it is: the AA newsroom saying, "Hey, yeah, we've got we can charge electric vehicles." It's. It, I think there's a whole there's a whole industry growing here. You know, it's like it's awesome to watch it. In my opinion, it's got a, it's a win 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 in all directions, right? So there you go. Ten to fifteen minutes of charge time with discharged electric vehicles. Enough to get you get you the next charging station. I really want to have Lonnie Johnson on the show, and if anybody knows how to get in touch with him or how how we can answer our emails, please. Um, this guy is just a brilliant dude. 
He he first of all, and I don't know if I should start with this because you know it doesn't really relate, but he's the guy who invented the super soaker squirt gun, right? He got so much money from that that he was able to put it into his research. And he created this uh, these batteries that run on lithium and air. Um, now I guess he's got a new one, the rechargeable lithium-ion batteries that are uh, the Accelatron, uh, thin film batteries. And then let me, let me just read you what he says about lithium-air batteries. He says, metal air batteries have a much higher gravimetric energy density than most available primary and rechargeable batteries. These are unique in that the cathode active material is not stored in the battery. Oxygen from the environment is reduced at a catalytic air electrode surface, forming either an oxide or peroxide ion that reacts with cationic species in the electrolyte. Metal air batteries have a much higher gravimetric energy density than that achieved by metal oxide carbon couples. And, you know, I have no idea what he's talking about, but you probably do. Yeah, I, I, I can. Well, I can try. Uh, what he's basically saying is that half of the stuff that you normally would be carrying around with you is just hanging out in the air. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you do any better job than that, Richard? <laughs> no. Well, the in the end, guys, chemical batteries aren't going to make it. Yeah. I mean, let's talk the brass tacks truth. Chemical yeah. batteries represent too much weight for the uh, electrical volt potential that they have. The mm-hmm. and the best technology we have right now for generating electricity at the highest densities is fuel cells. Mm. They're just too expensive, they're too finicky, and their fueling process is inefficient. And don't they require platinum or something? Well, all, you know, rare earth minerals and and specialized catalytic materials are true of everything we build. We're never going to get away from that. They certainly, the you know, the the proton exchange membrane that's inside of a, a fuel cell is a very expensive, complicated piece of technology. There's lots of folks working on making it better. Uh... You know, it's only a, a question of time. Fat, Toshiba even released a prototype laptop that had a fuel cell battery system in it. The question is, what do you use as a fuel, right? We always think about fuel cells as hydrogen and oxygen fueling. Right? Essentially, what they're doing is taking separated hydrogen and oxygen, and the process of combining it releases electricity, and it makes water. We love that, except that storing hydrogen and oxygen sucks. Right. So there's been fuel cells built around methanol because in the end, methanol, which is a, an alcohol derivative, is essentially hydrogen and oxygen and some carbon. And so now you split the methanol as part of a, a catalytic process and then rehydrate it back into water to generate electricity. And methanol has the great advantage of being portable. Yeah, it's liquid. Right. You, your gas station suddenly work again, except that now, you, you know, the big thing with fuel cells is the jump in power density that we get for running electric vehicles. Yeah. You know, they talked about that Toshiba laptop had a two-week battery life. Hmm. And you fueled it with essentially lighter fluid. Wow. The downside was it got hot, the thing was wicked expensive, and it leaked water, because that's the byproduct of it, is water. Boy, I'm thirsty. Hey, my <laughs> laptop. Yeah, <laughs> it's, Your laptop's dripping, and it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, this is the challenges with these technologies. I happen to live in Vancouver, as most people know, and Ballard is based here. And Ballard is one of the leading lights in building uh, fuel cell vehicles. And so there's a whole fleet of fuel cell-driven buses here in Vancouver. Hmm. Cool. And they spew steam. Yeah. Well, you right? always have a hot cup of coffee, though, Richard, don't you? 
or, or T and <laughs> But, you know, case. God knows what those buses cost, but they're research vehicles. They, these pe- you know, the neat thing about what Ballard's doing is they're driving fuel cells every day in a really tough condition, which is as a, a public transit bus. And, yeah, you know, the exciting part about fuel cells, if we could actually solve this, is that power density, that suddenly range isn't going to be an issue. You know, you want to change the, ele- the dedicated electrical vehicle utterly, what if it suddenly had a thousand kilometer range? What if this has longer range than your gasoline powered car? Right. Yeah, and it took a couple seconds to refill. And and yeah, trivial to refill. And there's a lots yeah. of games being played around how to figure out how to fill it. I mean, methanol is one approach, but it still has you know one of its byproducts still is carbon dioxide. And let's face it, we're into these cars because we want zero emissions. Right. Right. I mean, that is part of it. I don't think we're willing to concede that. But there are other chemical combinations, different ways of fixing hydrogen that don't have that. A true catalytic storage of hydrogen would mean the catalyst never leaves. You add in hydrogen, it releases hydrogen, you can add hydrogen back in again. We're just still trying to figure that out. Yeah. And well, the other thing is that you actually consume, it's a, uh, methane is a closed loop, right? You consume carbon dioxide to create methane, which will then right. push carbon dioxide back out again. The only trick is making methane in a way that you actually don't spend more than you would creating it, kind of the ethanol problem, if you will. It takes right. a gallon and a half of gasoline to make a gallon of ethanol. Yeah. Well, that's, and it, it's all, that's a whole other show, Bruce. Now yeah. you're stepping on, you know, what <laughs> I think our next show is going to end up Fuels. being, which is this okay. whole discussion about alternative energy stores. But, you know, I do see fuel cells as the future. I happen to live close to where I think a lot of that work's being done, but it's, it almost feels like fusion. It's always yeah. five years away. Right. Oh, right. it is. Yeah. And that's one of the problems with, with hydrogen, really, is that it's one of those technologies. You know, yes, of course, hydrogen would be awesome. And I think a lot of the, you know, really high-end, you know, the, the, the Fords and the, the GMs have got really got them all wrapped around the axle on, in the 2000s and the noughties around, we've got to have a hydrogen car because that's where everything is going. And the reality is that it's, it's, it's cold fusion. You know, it's just not, it's not ready yet. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know that it ever is going to be. I mean, I appreciate that there are companies actually building these things and trying to solve this problem, that there are fuel cells out in the wild really doing their thing. Uh, that, those are all good signs. You know, you think back all the way to to GM's EV1, that electric car that's, you know, sort of covered in conspiracy and was really way ahead of its time. Yeah. I think Ballard's there with these transit buses. That it's going to be 20 years before we suddenly see, we've got it cracked. Here's how it works. We've been working on it for years. Everybody, I'm, I'm kind of appreciating the fact that people aren't focused on fuel cells anymore because that's when the work gets done. Yep. Mm. The hype's sort of over. Now the guys are grinding away, really solving the ugly issues. And yep. one day they're going to pop up with a, this is how it works, guys. So a little, a little, little known fact about history was that Edison did not invent light bulbs. He invented how to make light bulbs cheap. Right. Yeah. Right. So what we need is somebody who can invent how to make fuel cells cheap. That's where we're. That's where we're headed. Well, I think uh, you know. I got my eyes on that Tesla Roadster now. I'm. Uh, I'm thinking I might want to drive one. At least drive one. Yeah, I definitely want to drive one. I don't know about the Model S. I mean, you know, it's a it's a nice looking car, but you know, there's I don't know. There's something about that massive acceleration that's very <laughs> thrilling. Yeah, nothing better than a good sports car. My yeah. wife wants me to get the S. What does that say, really? Yeah, yeah it's. Me. <laughs> It's sold to the fan. Once it's sold to the wife, you know you've done something right. I, I think it is. <laughs> no. All right, guys. So, well, this has been an amazing show. Uh, we got to do this again, Richard. I think we should. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you uh, very much. 
No problem. I had a great time. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 